0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Hello. World AIDS Day is the 1st of December every year, and when listener Brian told me...
2: HIV is the best thing that ever happened to me.
1: I knew this would be a perfect time to share his story. So, get your red ribbon on and enjoy. You're listening to Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring without them.
2: So, it was last June, uh, June of 2019. I was 29 or 28 years old, getting ready to turn 29. I was working crazy hours. I had a I guess you could call it a staff of 15 people with a dotted line relationship to me, and I got laid off from work. All of a sudden, I I go from having no free time in the day to nothing but free time. So it was a little bit of a culture shock and I really had nothing but free time. There was nothing I was looking forward to. I was applying for jobs. In one week, you know, I might have 15, 16 interviews both phone and in person, but I still felt like I just I have all this free time. What do I do? What do I do? And me being a 20-something year old male, I started to sleep around a lot. So, not being smart, I wasn't using protection at all. So then a couple of weeks go by, I slow down because now we're, we're getting to the 4th of July. So my job hunt's slowing down. I'm not sleeping around as much. And all of a sudden, I, I feel like really sick. I have a fever for no reason. I can't regulate my body temperature. It, it got to be to the point where you know getting out of bed and walking down the steps was very, very hard. The morning of my birthday, I get out of bed and I kind of like start to collapse because I, I was too weak, really wasn't eating. So I crawl back into bed. I do what anybody in my position would do. I call my mommy and say, hey, listen, I need to go to the doctor. Can you take me? this is what's going on. So she's, you know, of course she says, yes, we go to the doctor. They said, oh, you have a virus. We have to let it run its course. Not what I wanted to hear. And later on, I found out that doctor was, you know, a little bit spot on, not the right one, but it was a virus. A couple weeks go by, still I'm not feeling any better. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go to my family doc. So I go, and he runs all these tests, and he looks at me. He goes, I'll be honest, I'm not really sure what this is. I forget what he gave me, but it's the stuff they use for anthrax. So it's pretty strong antibiotics. Let's see if this works. Okay, so I go, I take them. In a couple of weeks, I start to feel better. Well, we get, we do another round of blood work, and we get results back. And I Google the results because nowadays you can be your own doctor. The top three things are HIV leukemia and I had a mild heart attack. I was like, you know what? I have a feeling this is probably leukemia. My friend's mom's going through it. So therefore, obviously I have it.
1: That's how it works. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yes. It's very, it's transmissed through the air just like that. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you're 40 miles away. Yeah, exactly. 5G. Yeah. So I go, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get tested again. I haven't been tested in a while. Let me go get tested. I'm going to take these results to my doctor and say, test me for cancer. I got this. So I go and I get tested, and the way it works here is um, you get tested on Tuesday, and then you get your results Monday. So Sunday night, I'm, I'm laying in bed. I'm on Twitter just scrolling through, and these two people – and I don't remember who they were, but they came out as HIV-positive undetectable. And in the back of my mind, I remember thinking like maybe this is a sign. Maybe I should get ready. And then of course it's no, no, no. It can't happen to me. It can't happen to me. I call the health clinic in the morning and I say, you know, Hey, my name's Brian. I'm looking for my results. And she goes, yeah, yeah. Give me one second. Let me check. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. We don't have them in yet. It was weird because normally by the time you call, they have them. So I was like, okay, this is weird, but okay, it's, it's a Monday. God only knows what's going wrong. So they call me back in like 15, 20 minutes. Can you come in at 11? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. So 10:15 rolls around and I leave my house. It's about a 10 minute drive. Because to me now, okay, there's something wrong, and I'm thinking if anything, it might be like gonorrhea or something, but probably not. So I go back in that little room, and they look, and the nicest woman ever is looking at me. She goes, "Well, so good news is your chlamydia, syphilis, and gonorrhea all came back negative." Oh great, but we need to talk about your HIV. And I can see the highlight through the paper, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, what's going on?" In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, "Fuck, just fuck, this, this is not." Good. They don't highlight a no result. So she goes, you know, you did come back positive. And I remember when I got tested, they said, if it comes back positive, what they do is they sample it again. And they basically make it impossible for a false negative is how they described it to me. So, okay, that's fine. Um, Okay, so when are you guys going to send it back out for another go around? Oh, we already did. This is this is your final result. And at that point... I remember having a full-blown panic attack. I leaned over. I have my head between my knees. I'm breathing. And she goes, "Do you do you need anything?" And I was like, "Yes, an Ativan." Ativan is an anti-anxiety. It calms you down right away. So during a, a panic attack or something like that, you take it and it just it calms you down. She goes, "You know, well we don't we don't keep drugs in this facility." Um, she kind of just looked at me like, "Okay, I just need you to breathe." And so, what felt like five years goes by. Probably only about ten minutes. I start to calm down a little bit. Because at this time, I'll be very honest, I was very uneducated on HIV. And I remember my first question to her, it's like, you know, well, when am I going to die? And she goes, you know, Brian, I don't know. You're going to live a full life. I I just need you to calm down and we'll talk about it. So we go over everything what it is, how it works, the drugs, what the next steps are. But the biggest and the most important piece of advice she gave me is now we need to talk about who you're going to tell today, if anybody. Realize once you. Tell somebody you can't take it back. So, who do you want to tell? And I was like, Well, I'm supposed to go with my mom to help her. She was a teacher at the time. And I said, I'm supposed to go with her to help her with her classroom. And she's like, Well, let's probably not tell her today. Okay. (laughs) And she goes, And I'll be very honest, like, you don't want to tell, right now, you need to tell your close friends. You don't want to tell your mom or your dad until you can tell them you're going to be okay. And right now, you don't know you're going to be okay. She goes, I know you're going to be okay, but you don't. It's a very fair point. So I text a friend of mine, and I said, hey, I need to talk to you as soon as possible. He goes, are you okay? No, I'm not. Okay, I talk to you. I'll be home at 5 p.m. See you then. So I go. I do my day. I pretend like everything's fine. I go to his house, and I, I sit down. And I was like, listen, I got tested today, and I'm HIV positive, and I don't know what the hell to do. And he's like, okay. And right then, one of his roommates walks in. So he's like, oh, hey, I just built a new shed. Why don't we go out there, and, and I show it to you? Okay, yeah, let's go. And we go outside and we sit at a shed. And it's I – just, I, I just unload on them. This is what's going on and this is what happened. And I – like what do I do? And I, I – if you're going to get diagnosed with HIV, obviously it's going to happen in a doctor's office. Yeah, Like, you know, yes, you're going to go home. Yes, you're going to do this and that. But not many people can sit there and say like, oh, and within five hours of being diagnosed, I'm sitting in a shed talking about it. <laughs> oh, and by the way, it's August, so it's hot. So like you're sitting there sweating in the shed. <laughs> I'm freaking out. And he's walking me off the ledge slowly, but surely took three hours, but he's walking me off the edge.
1: Like backwards into safety rather than off the edge. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. okay, Cool. Yeah.
2: So I get to a spot where like, okay, I'm, I'm fine now. I can, I can walk. I can breathe. I I can do this. So I, um, I left my dog at my parents' house. So I, I had to go drive up to their house, grab him and then come back to my house. And I just like and that's when I, I start messaging my friend on Facebook. This is what's going on. And her and I went back and forth and you know, she's like, listen, how are we gonna make sure you're okay though? And at this point, I'm like, I, I don't even know. I like I, I don't know if I'm gonna be okay. I don't know what's going on. I don't know I know what I know how it happened, obviously. I'm pretty sure I know who gave it to me, but I don't know what to do. Like I don't know what the, my next step is. Well, what did they say? I was like, Well, I have intake at my local facility. And not, by the way, intake is what they call when you go and they evaluate your insurance and they start to talk to you about who your doctor is going to be. It's not something jail related. It's healthcare. When they first said intake, I'm thinking like, oh, this is what they do in jail. Like intake is when you go, you know, they check you in, you bend over, spread them, cough, all that other fun stuff.
1: Oh, that's how you got in this problem in the first place. <laughs> Sorry. Okay,
2: true. Yes. <laughs> so. I go and I do intake and we get my doctor. We talk to the insurance people and I'm very lucky to live where I live because there is a state program. Because I was laid off, that month I was losing my insurance. So we had to wait till September 1st when I lost my insurance to start doing blood work and doctor visits. So I had to wait about a week and a half. I have my first visit with my doctor and she's amazing. She's She's nice, but she's very blunt about things, and that's what I need. I don't want. I'm a big guy. You sugarcoat something, I'm going to eat it. Be blunt with me. So, and she was. She was very blunt, and she goes, you know, I want you. I want you to talk to behavioral health. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. So she sends in behavioral health, and you know, they ask, you know, how are you doing? And I just, I break down. I'm losing it. I'm crying in the room. I, I have the another utter meltdown, which at that point, like, I needed. So she talks to me. And she sets up my next appointment. I start seeing this therapist, and her and I kind of start diving in into why did this happen, what's going on, Um, and behavioral changes that I need to make, but also realizing why I'm doing that in the first place. One of the things that came up was after losing my job, I had no – I was very, very insecure about everything, about being gay, about you know, losing my house, about losing my car, I was very insecure. And instead of dealing with that in a healthy way, what I did was obviously sleep around. And I'm not here to slut shame. I'm not. If you want to sleep around, that's fine. First off, use protection. I am living proof that if you don't, sometimes bad things happen. But secondly, make sure you're doing it because you want to, not because you're trying to fill a hole, no pun intended. If you're sleeping around because you have some type of issue you're trying to hide from, that's not healthy. You you really should seek some help. And don't get me wrong. Yeah, it is fun to sleep around. It is fun to, you know, kind of rack up that body count a little bit. But that's now I can do that because it is, I, I'm in a good spot. I'm honestly, I've never been better through therapy and through having to really face some tough truths about myself and why I got HIV. I can say HIV is the best thing that ever happened to me. It really has allowed me to, well, first off, step back and go, what was I thinking? What was wrong with me? And then going, okay, well, let's fix that. I, I was insecure because I don't have a job. Well, that's not a reason to be insecure. Nervous financially, absolutely, but not insecure. You, you don't need to tie if you're a successful person or if you're a good person to am I working. Like I said, it was one of the best things ever happened to me, and part of me wishes I could go back and learn all this stuff without getting it, and part of me is like, you know what? It's I wouldn't change it for the world. Superheroes, Star Wars, Broadway, Drag Race. So if you're super gay,
1: super nerdy, or anything in between, listen to Queeks today. Wherever fine podcasts are sold. And find us on Instagram at Queeks Podcast. How did it feel having to wait first for the results and then for your insurance and all that kind of thing? Those big spaces where you couldn't just get on and start dealing with it but you had to just sit there and twiddle your
2: thumbs how was that so the week waiting for results was nothing because i i was convinced i knew what it was and it wasn't hiv Uh so that wasn't bad um i can tell you the week or the week and a half waiting for insurance to end so that i can apply for insurance and go get my blood work that felt like forever it was one of the scariest things ever because i'm just well how fast is it how fast is this replicating in my body? What is happening to me? Is it safe? Are we doing something for insurance to protect me financially, but hurting me long term? I was thinking any possible negative thought you could have, I was thinking throughout that week and a half. I was scared to be around my nieces and nephews. I was scared to be around family because what if I cut myself? What if I have an, you know, an open wound somewhere and somebody puts, you know, they get they get something on their hand and they they rub their eye? or You know what I mean? Like this stuff that Really, you know, you don't need to be focusing on, but obviously they're obsessing over it. So I kind of avoided my family for that week and a half until I could, until I went to see what's going on. And I did a lot of research into it that week and a half. I probably looked at more CDC and NIH or their articles on HIV. I look at pause.com or .org or whatever they are. I'm looking up every possible article I can to see like, am I, what's my, what's my new life going to be like? What's. You know, what's life like after this? What is, what do I have to be careful of? You know, it's, we're headed into flu season. What happens if I get the flu? It was nothing but me looking up stuff and basically just not trying to terrify, terrify myself, but just terrifying myself.
1: How different is your life now compared to before?
2: The only thing I have to do different is every night at 8, 8 p.m., I have to take a pill. Outside of that, it hasn't changed at all. It's, I just have to make sure I have a pill with me at 8, 8 o'clock. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up this week, and I'm going to go to my parents' house. I'll take a pill with me just in case I can't make it home. That's the only difference in my life. I believe my viral load when I first got tested was like 224,000. The average person is zero. So um, it's a little bit high. After my first round of testing, it was 120, not 1,000. It was 120. Wow. So and that was after six weeks on the medicine. That's amazing
1: to think that twenty years ago it would have been a death sentence, essentially.
2: Yeah, and my doctor told me, and a friend of mine told me, you know, back in ninety or you know late eighties, early nineties, you would diagnose somebody like this, and three months later they were they were gone. And you know, a friend of mine, I called her, and I was like, "This is what's going on, and I want to tell you." And I said, "I'll be honest, I'm being selfish. I want to tell you because I need the support." Okay, she goes, "You know, that's fine, that's fine. I know somebody back in ninety two that died from it." I I laugh about it now because, you know, when I came out as gay, people were telling me like, oh, I know this kid that was tied up in a barn and being up for being gay at this party once. And now that I'm coming out, you know, HIV positive, part of me is going, well, why would you tell me that?
1: (laughs) Have you had any negative reactions to coming out as HIV positive?
2: No, I've, I've been very lucky. There's been no negative reactions. The worst thing that people do, honestly, is they cry. If I sit here and I tell you and you cry, I don't know how to respond. Cause it's, it's happening to me. It's not happening to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like I, I didn't, it's, it's not COVID. I'm not coffee. I'm like, oh wait, you're in the room with me. Sorry. My one boundary is don't ask me, who gave it to me? Because I'm not going to out somebody else. Because I don't know if their family knows. With my luck, I don't want it to be like, oh, it was Bob over there. My mom goes, oh, I know Bob's mom, and it's like, oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I don't want that to happen. So I was, just, you know, I'm not going to say who it is. I will just say that I know who it is. I told my parents, and they both sat there, like, okay. My mom had a lot of questions about it. First one being, why would you wait so long to tell us?
1: How long did you wait? How long was it before you told your parents?
2: So I told them March.
1: Okay. So six months at least.
2: Yeah. And the big reason is I wanted my parents to see me live a normal life and not have any idea something's wrong. And once they saw that and they saw enough, I told them and I said, you know, you've seen me now for how many months and I've been just fine. It's going to continue that way.
1: Wow. That's a really thoughtful way of showing, not telling was that not really difficult for you to keep that quiet for so long as well
2: Oh it was the worst thing ever I am um, <laughs> so I don't really keep a lot from my parents I don't I you know since early 20s I've been very open with them about a lot of my life If they don't like something they'll tell me and they'll tell me what their concern is but they let me make my own decisions so I don't keep much from them and when I'm sitting there and every, you know, I'm going over to their house every Sunday for family dinner, and I told my boss at work, my HR department at work before I told them, and I'm telling friends before I tell them, and all these people know, and I'm, it finally started to bother me enough that I'm like, I, I can't keep doing this. like I'm torturing myself again, and I need to stop doing that. So well, I talked to my therapist about it, and she's like, well, why don't you wait one more week and let's talk about your delivery and all that stuff? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And I leave there, and the next day at work, I'm like... It's eating at me. So I text my parents, hey, can you guys swing over tonight after dinner? Yeah, what's wrong? Nothing, nothing. I was like, nothing's wrong. I just want to give you a life update. That's all. And I called it a life update because I – what else do you call it? Like, oh, by the way, I have potentially bad but potentially good news. Like, there's no good way – like, so I was like, I have a life update. And my mom walks in, and she's actually – she's expecting me to say, oh, by the way, I started seeing so-and-so. Or me and so and so are now dating. That's what she's expecting. And so I was like, you know, so remember how last year I'm, I'm was really sick and I was having issues eating and getting out of bed and all that stuff. And yeah, yeah, you know, I was like, okay, so I got diagnosed HIV positive. Before you have before you ask your questions, let me let me talk to you about this. Let me tell you about it. And I, I went over my little spiel and. I I answered all their questions as honestly as I could.
1: Have you considered getting involved in educating the young'uns in HIV health and things like that?
2: So yes and no. More of the support group or something like that. Right now, it's a little bit hard because of COVID. I'll be very honest. I'm not quite sure how to get involved. And also, it's only recently that I felt okay with people knowing. I have nothing to be ashamed of. It happened. It is. It's not who I am. It's part of who I am. Same way as being gay, a son, brother, uncle, this, that. They're all part of who I am. None of them make up the whole me. Somebody at work finds out it's fine. It is what it is. I'm i I'm—I'm okay with it. Now I would actually look into education or support for those who've been recently diagnosed. When I was diagnosed, I had therapists. I had doctors. I had nurses. I had insurance people, I guess staff members or whatever. I have a case manager. I I have all these people. But what I don't have is somebody that has been recently diagnosed that knows what I'm going through to sit there and say, listen, you fucked up, but you're going to be okay. From what I can tell, there's really not that service out there right now. And I really wish there was of just, listen, I've been recently diagnosed. Here's my phone number. Call me at this time and just have somebody say like, listen, yeah, what happened was terrible. Here's what you can expect. Here's what you need to worry about. Here's what you don't need to worry about. And, and just kind of go through it with somebody that is just, you know, just diagnosed.
1: That's um, I want a better word than nice. Nice. Oh, that's nice. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> it's, um, oh, well done, you. I think it says a lot about you as a person that after having gone through all that yourself, your first impulse now that you're in a comfortable place yourself is to say, "I want to make that as easy as possible for other people." I think that's admirable.
2: Thank you. Seriously. The only thing I'm not sure about is how to do it. And that's what I'm trying to figure out now is how do you, how do I get involved with something like that? Even if it's just, you know, one person I can somehow help, I'd be fine with that. But I don't know how to do it, honestly. And I don't know how to even start to look for it other than just Google, you know, how do I do this?
1: That's a good start. This is the world we live in now. I mean, before now, you had to take a class or go to a library like some kind of caveman. But now we're all online. (laughs) It's a lot easier. As our chat started to wind up, I asked Brian what learning from these experiences he'd like to pass on.
2: First and foremost, I'm going to say always use condoms. And if you're not on PrEP and you're sexually active, get on PrEP. First and foremost, as much as I sit here and say it's the best thing that ever happened to me, that is because I needed a therapist to help me through some things. And when I hit a bump in the road, drinking it away is not healthy. Identifying myself as my job, drinking through my problems, and betting anybody that would want to sleep with me when I was going through a rough patch, those three things are not healthy coping mechanisms at all. So when I say it's the best thing that happened to me, I mean in the sense that I needed some help in coping mechanisms. And this really made me get that. And I, th- I had some insecurities that I thought like I was okay with, and when it came push comes to shove, I wasn't. So to work through them and to become, you know, I'm the co- I'm the most confident I've ever been in my life. I can walk down a street and if somebody wants to sit there and say like, oh, he's gay, you're damn right I am. If somebody wants to sit there and try to give me shit for being gay, before I would retreat, run away, and get out of the situation. Now it's like, well, I am, and let me guess, I turn you on, or is this some smart-ass remark right off the tip of my tongue that I can? I can laugh at it now, and I can deal with that now. Where, where before, I would be running away from it. Where now, it's like I, I don't care. Like, yes, I'm gay. Yes, I'm HIV positive. For you know, when I was first diagnosed, I would I hated myself over it. I don't go out and get it. Definitely don't go out and get it. If I could have grew like I did without it, would I would not want it. Absolutely. But I got it. This is life now. So when I say HIV is the best thing that ever happened to me, it is. I'm in the best place I've ever been, honestly. <laughs>
1: That was probably true the multi-award-winning storytelling series written and produced by me, the multi-award-winning Scott Flashheart. It was designed to remind all of my queer siblings that we are none of us alone. You can find links, transcripts of every episode, and all that good stuff at probablytruepodcast.com. If you enjoyed or found value in anything you've heard today, you can support the show on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash probablytrue. And if you want to get in touch, just search Probably True Podcast on the socials. This week's Patreon subscribers are Britt East, who could seduce you with nothing but a well-turned phrase and a smile, and Sam Boddington, who wouldn't judge you if your house was a mess, even if it was really gross. You can support the podcast and get your own Patreon compliment by going to patreon.com forward slash probably true.